mystery tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 75th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And we have a great show for you today. We are going to be focusing on Marie Laveau. And Denise, when you talk about Marie Laveau, what else do you have to talk about? You are talking about voodoo. Voodoo, indeed. So we will be discussing both of those on today's show But before we do that, we want to make sure you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. Everything you could want to know about the show is there. Denise, if people want to get a hold of us, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We had a fabulous weekend. What did we do? We had a meetup with five of our spectacular crew members at the St. Augustine Lighthouse for a haunted tour. We had what we think might be... An experience. So we're going to share more with you about that meetup and our experience in a future episode sometime. Oh, that's a that's a shameless teaser, Miss Diane. <laughs> but if you are friends with us over on the Spectacular Crew, you heard a little bit about some of our adventures. We did some periscoping, so uh, hopefully you got to see some of that live periscoping. Unfortunately, whenever we went inside of a building, we'd lose the internet connection. So there was some of the interior stuff that we didn't get to bring to people. But we had a good time showing them some of the outside stuff, especially at the top of the lighthouse. So be looking forward to that. We also had somebody else join us at the Spectacular Crew, A.G. Ruff. Welcome. Welcome, A.G. It's great to have you on board. And we got another five-star review over at iTunes from M-D-D-N-U-G-H-R-N. I'm not about to try to pronounce whatever that might oh, happen come to on. be. You try accents. Why not pronunciation? Sounds good to me. I stumbled across this podcast and I couldn't be happier. Delightful hosts, interesting historical info with a supernatural twist. I am hooked. So glad to have you on board. And thanks so much for that five-star review. We appreciate your guys' reviews as well. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so. It just helps us to get more visibility over at iTunes and more people find out about us. Because we constantly hear, I stumbled across it. I just happened to find. So one of these days, we'd love to have somebody say, I've been hearing so much about the show. I just had to check it out. (laughs) Yes. And the other thing, too, is make sure you join the Spooktacular crew over on Facebook. We keep hearing that people are like, oh, I didn't realize that the fan page and Spooktacular crew were two different things. So go put in Spooktacular crew and hit join to be part of the actual crew. Exactly. And Denise, we got a message from Gray Griffith about our podcast on Gettysburg. I wanted to share some of the information he shared with us with the listeners. Oh, I think that was a great idea, Diane. I really enjoyed your Gettysburg podcast. It's an amazing place to get evidence. I collected plenty of EVPs there, some Class A, which are the the best ones. They're very clear, including a rather sad one from Little Round Top from a soldier who wanted me to pass along a message for him. He said, quote, tell my mom I did my best, end quote. Also, just to answer your question of why there were so many amputations, the guns they used fired very large bullets that moved at a relatively slow speed. So they wouldn't just clip the bone when they hit a body. It would completely shatter the bone. So they had no choice but to remove the limb. 
Great show as always. Can't wait for what y'all do next. Yeah, so thank you so much. It's always nice to know when we're not sure, when we speculate, to have a listener come back with the historical reason of why something happened. So we really appreciate that. Exactly. That makes infection makes some sense, but the fact that the bones were shattered makes even more sense because back then they couldn't rebuild your bone and put in a bunch of plastic and screws and put everything back together again. So Exactly. Thank you for sharing that with us, Greg. We appreciate that. And we also heard from Ginger that she had some experiences in Gettysburg. So she's going to share some of those with us, and uh, we'll share them with the listeners when we get those. So lots and lots of people have had haunting experiences at Gettysburg. I can't wait to go there. Exactly. And we got some new stuff for the camper, so let's get that on the (laughs) list and let's get out of here. Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com. Some people take revenge to an extreme that is quite bizarre. Princess Olga of Kiev is an example of this. She was married to Prince Igor, who became king of Kievan Russia. One day, King Igor went to the Slavic tribe named the Drevlans to obtain his tributes from them. The Drevlans didn't want to give the king anything, so they killed him. They should have just given him their tributes. Olga took over as a regent because her and Igor's son was only three. The Drevlins didn't want a female ruling, so they sent a bunch of suitors to Olga. She was infuriated. She had the suitors, along with the boat they arrived in, thrown into a trench and buried alive. She demanded better suitors, but not because she actually wanted a husband. This next batch of men were locked in the bathhouse, which was set ablaze. Then she announced that she had picked a suitor and invited 5,000 Drevlins to a celebration. She had them all slaughtered. And finally, she told the Drevlins that she had a small request. She changed the tributes to be paid, and the Drevlins were relieved and even thought they had the upper hand. Olga had simply requested three pigeons and three sparrows from each home. She then sent the birds back with embers tied to them and the town burned to the ground. If you think that's improbable, our military was going to do the same to Japan using bats, and the test actually worked. Even after this heinous revenge was carried out, Princess Olga was named a saint in the Russian Orthodox religion and Roman Catholicism. Now, that certainly is odd. Welcome. We have been expecting you. (laughs) This Day in History On this day, October 13th, in the year 54 CE, the Roman Emperor Claudius dies. Many historians of the time seem to point to poisoning as the cause of death, and this is the most widely accepted theory behind Claudius' demise. The list of people with access and motive wasn't a short one. Many implicate his personal taster as the one who did the deed, 
but it would appear the person with the most motive was Claudius's wife, Agrippina. She did not want to see Britannicus, her stepson, come of age and take the throne. And after many months of poor marriage to Claudius, many believe she used the poisoning of her husband to ensure that her son, Nero, took control of the Roman Empire. Nero became emperor in the early hours of October 13th at the age of 17, making him the youngest emperor up to that point. Nero would go on to have an infamous career as the ruler who dipped Christians in oil and lit them aflame to illuminate his garden, and even is rumored to have fiddled while Rome burned. You're listening to History Goes Bump! New Orleans is a city that seems to ooze the paranormal and the occult. The wrought iron balconies and cobblestone streets remind people that this is a city with a deep history. Every corner seems to reveal in a new delight for the history lover and foodie alike. Whether it's the jazz streaming from the windows of the French Quarter to the beignets at shops like Café du Monde, which is an excellent cafe, highly recommended if you haven't been there. New Orleans is an amazing city. The legend around New Orleans voodoo queen Marie Laveau is larger than life, as large as the mystique of New Orleans itself. She captivated the city for decades, and her grave still draws people from around the world. And it would seem that the spirits are very active here. Come with us as we discover the history and the hauntings of Marie Laveau. And our research assistant, on this podcast was Jesse Harms. Thanks so much for helping us out, Jesse. Yes, thank you so much, Jesse. In 1718, Governor of French Louisiana, La Jean-Baptiste Le Monnier, founded the city of Nouvelle Orleans in honor of Philip Duc de Orleans at the mouth of the Mississippi River. In 1722, Le Monnier moved the capital of Louisiana from Biloxi to what is known today as New Orleans. The area of what is known today as Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana at the time was one territory claimed by the French. Le Monnier believed that the area that was settled as New Orleans was safe from tidal surges and hurricanes. Oops. I guess we know that that's not true, especially today. Unfortunately, in that same year, a hurricane destroyed the city, but the city was rebuilt in the grid pattern that you can find today in the French Quarter. And I am so glad that you had that paragraph, Diane, because as we know, my French... Leaves a lot to be desired. I'm sure I butchered it too. (laughs) Yeah, just really quick. When we went through New Orleans, our friend who was native to kind of that area kept saying, here, read that sign, read that sign. Her whole family got into it. So they enjoyed having me read French words for them. It was highly entertaining. And what was one of your favorite dishes? Oh, well, we discovered that before New Orleans, but I love a (laughs) toofie. Yeah, so anytime she goes out, she wants to order it that way. Can I have some atoufi? <laughs> in 1762 and in 1763, France signed treaties with Spain, giving the city over to Spain's control. In 1788 and 1794, the year widely believed to be the year Marie Laveau was born, the city was destroyed by a fire and rebuilt in brick with many of those buildings and cathedrals still standing today. In 1803, Louisiana went back under French control who in turn, 20 days later, sold it to the United States as part of the Louisiana Purchase. The final battle of the War of 1812 was fought in New Orleans with Colonel Andrew Jackson leading the Americans. Nailing down specifics on Marie Laveau is difficult, not only because legends take on a life of their own, but because Laveau's namesake daughter is rumored to have taken up the voodoo queen mantle after her mother's death. Historians are not sure which of the two women contributed most to the voodoo queen reputation. 
On this podcast, we are focusing on the elder Marie Laveau and consider her to be the true voodoo queen. Marie Laveau was born most likely in 1794, although some claim 1796 or 1801 as her birth year. Her place of birth is disputed as well. Most claim that she was born in New Orleans, but others say she immigrated here from Haiti, which was known as St. Domingue at the time. And it probably is no surprise that her parentage is unclear. Some say she came down from royalty. What is most likely is that she was of mixed race. Her father was a white man named Charles Laveau. She was a beautiful woman who caught the eye of Jacques Paris, a Haitian. He asked her to marry him, and they did just that on August 4, 1819. They did not live happily ever after. Jacques disappeared a few years into the marriage. Where he went, nobody knew. Some speculated that he had returned to Haiti. Common sense makes us think that possibly he met a bad end because he was declared dead. There was no funeral or burial for him. Did Laveau really not know what happened to her husband? If he left her, they wouldn't declare him dead. All we know is that they soon started calling Laveau Widow Paris. Laveau took up with another Haitian named Louis Christopher Domini de Clapion. They did not marry, but that didn't stop them from having 15 children together. Diane's nightmare more than voodoo. (laughs) (laughs) What woman can have 15 children? It's wow. Laveau. I guess so. A man named Dr. John became an integral part of her life at this time. I bet he did. Well, apparently you don't know who Dr. John is. (laughs) Well, he had the little 15 children. He was not her OBGYN. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't know who he is. Please tell us. His real name was John Bayou, and he was a voodoo doctor. Well, who said you can't? Weren't midwives a lot of times voodoo nurses? Yes. I suppose in New Orleans, midwives could be voodoo practitioners, but this is a guy, and yeah. Okay. Anyway, he didn't tell her how to give birth. He taught her how to make gris-gris bags, how to use voodoo dolls, and how to produce charms and curses. He was a good teacher, and she was a good student, because soon Laveau was a very powerful priestess. She rose above all other voodoo practitioners, and many believe she was the most powerful in the city. So powerful that many claim she held sway over the entire city. She even seemed to have power over government officials. One story claims that she used her powers to convince a judge to declare a man innocent who was actually guilty of murder. The man's father gave her a house in return for her help. There were those who did not believe that voodoo had any power, and thus, neither did Laveau. Political power can really be more powerful than magic, don't you think? Fun fact, Marie Laveau had citizenship with France, Spain, and the United States. Yeah, Jesse found that little fact out, and I was like, really? I didn't think you could hold that many citizenships. Of course, this was quite a few years ago, so... Mm-hmm. Many people believed Laveau could do anything. She could conjure magic to cause people to fall in love, some said. She could bring material wealth to people. She could cure illness. These are all good actions, and Laveau is said to have had a big heart and one that cared especially for the poor and slaves. She herself had been born a free woman. Because of her care for the downtrodden, she would very often provide her services for free to them. Laveau was not just the voodoo queen. She had a very mundane day job. She was a hairdresser, and she was very good at that as well. Many of the rich and influential would come to her, and this is where she could have gained her political power, as some claim. Because, you know, Denise, one of the things is when you're a hairdresser, I've heard many hairdressers say that they should be psychotherapists, too. Oh, absolutely. Sort of like bartenders. That's where people come and just, yep, there was. <laughs> Tell you there was while you're cutting their hair. So she would yeah. probably get some tasty little nitbits when she was doing that. Which could also be used sometimes maybe for even a little bit of bribery or 
Mm-hmm. Or influence, we'll call it. Okay. Blackmail? <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> and on the seedier side of things, there are rumors that she ran a brothel. And this is how she established her political influence. That is probably a little bit closer to the truth. She possibly could have had inside information from servants who worked in upscale homes as well. Her high standing was proved through a ritual she held on the banks of Lake Pontchartrain in 1874. Nearly 12,000 people attended that ceremony. Wow. Laveau lived to the ripe old age of 86, and she died of natural causes in her home on June 15, 1881. She was buried in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, or at least that is what is traditionally believed. Some say nobody knows where she is buried. Laveau had named a daughter with her same name, and she became known as Marie Laveau II and is believed to have continued her mother's work. Her legend has lived on through countless novels, movies, comic books, and much more. We believe that the voodoo priestess in Disney's Princess and the Frog was inspired by Laveau. My favorite movie? Well, my favorite princess movie. One reason is because Laura about Laveau claims she had a snake named Zombie. And in that movie, she has a snake. Yes, she does. So maybe. Angela Bassett played Laveau in the American Horror Story series during its coven run. The practice of voodoo in New Orleans is well known now, but during Laveau's time, it was done in secret. In voodoo, there is one supreme god. He is called by various names depending on region. This god is unreachable. That is why there are so many spirits in voodoo. These spirits are needed in order to communicate with the supreme god. Different ceremonies and traditions are practiced, each with a specific purpose that usually involves asking a minor god or spirit for help with something. Some of these rituals call for animal sacrifice. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. A Salt Lake Tribune article from 2008 shares this story as told by a tour guide and New Orleans Historic Voodoo Museum historian, Jerry Gandolfo. Quote, the story begins a long time ago, back when God lived on earth, managed a vegetable garden, and had a servant named Legba. Every night, it turned out, someone would steal from God's prized garden. So God told Legba that he was going to make it rain saying footprints in the mud would lead him to the thief. The next morning, the garden was a complete mess. As God dissolved into a rage, Legba, a dedicated prankster, showed up giggling, holding a pair of God's own muddy sandals. You must be sleepwalking, he told God. This made God furious, and he decided to move to heaven. Because he was mad at Legba, he left the servant behind. God told Legba that he'd be the connection between mortals on earth and God in heaven. And he turned Legba into a rainbow. But because rainbows aren't always available when ceremonies are necessary, he also turned Legba into a snake. Legba is the main spirit in voodoo. 
a belief system that seeks the intercession of spirits, but there are thousands of others enlisted by God. In New Orleans, Legba is known by another name. He is St. Peter, the Catholic saint who holds the keys to heaven, end quote. Something unique about voodoo is that possession is a key part of the practice. A spirit will displace the soul of a practitioner and enter the body. The spirit will speak through the channeler and give predictions, directions, or advice. Someone who is possessed will feel no pain. Although there are different forms of voodoo practiced in Africa and Haiti, both traditions incorporate possession. Voodoo passes on like an oral tradition is seen between Marie Laveau and Dr. John. It's a personal religion, and there is not one primary holy text. The voodoo that Marie Laveau practiced is the one observed in Haiti, which is the African form with a twist. Slaves brought the religion with them from Africa. Slave owners often required that the slaves be baptized into Catholicism. This forced the slaves to hide their voodoo, and soon many Catholic traditions became intertwined with their voodoo. The spirits took on the names of the Catholic saints. The cross became a symbol of the crossroads, and Catholic hymns were sung. Leaders in voodoo are also called priests and priestesses. The grizz-grizz bags mentioned earlier are little pouches used with curses or charms. A practitioner puts a small item in the pouch like an animal skin, dried beans, herbs, or stones. Voodoo dolls are used to try to control people or cause them harm. Ancestor worship and the wearing of protection amulets is found in Louisiana voodoo, as is the uwanga, which is a charm that poisons an enemy using the crushed-up roots of the African figure mandate tree mixed with holy candles, holy water, bones, and nails. So you hear the story from that gentleman named Gandalfo, which sounds like a creation story, kind of, with whoever Legba is supposed to be kind of similar to Satan being turned into a snake. And then you see here where they're mixing the Catholicism in. And I often wondered when we would see stuff with voodoo in Louisiana, you'd see Christian symbols or a lot with saints and the candles that you would burn to saints. So it was like, how is that part of voodoo? Well, now you see it's because they kind of mix the two together. Right, kind of. And I always thought when they did that, they would change the name to Hoodoo, but I guess not. At its base, voodoo is a pretty creepy religion, especially to outsiders. Animal sacrifices, contorted and weird dances, possession and strange tonics all contribute to the idea that voodoo is creepy. Does it conjure evil? There are some misconceptions when it comes to voodoo, just as there is with Wicca or witchcraft. History has clearly taught us that religion can be used for both good and bad. Much of it comes down to the individual practice. So basically, either one could probably be used for good or bad, as we've seen Christianity could be used for the same thing. (laughs) Exactly. There are rumors associated with the creation of zombies in regards to voodoo as well. These aren't your flesh-eating, walking dead kind of zombies. These are generally people held under someone's sway, either through drugs or some kind of magic. It is interesting, kind of the voodoo, Catholicism, Christianity merged, because I have seen from time to time with the swaying, the dancing, some of that, that um, Christian practices could be just as misconceived as voodoo practices when you get into the speaking with tongues and the more charismatic type things and the snake charmers and all of that, so... Just just a point. Marie Laveau's tomb is said to be the most haunted in New Orleans. People visit this final resting place from all over the world. Many come seeking to ask the voodoo queen for a favor, despite the fact that she has been dead for decades. There are a couple of rituals involved with this practice. The first is for the seeker to knock three times on the tomb and then say the request out loud. After the request is fulfilled, the seeker is supposed to return to the tomb with a gift consisting of either coins, liquor, flowers, or a monkey or cock statue. 
In the past, people would mark the tomb with three X's using paint or a chip of brick, but that practice is illegal now. The second ritual features the seeker drawing an X on the tomb, spinning three times, knocking on the tomb, and yelling out their desire. When it is fulfilled, they are to come back and circle their X and leave an offering. Her apparition has been witnessed walking among the tombstones at the St. Louis Cemetery. She is wearing her turban and can be heard uttering voodoo curses. And strangely, there are some who claim that Laveau appears as a phantom cat prowling the graveyard and that it eventually disappears into Laveau's crypt. The cat's eyes glow red. Laveau lived in the location that is now 1020 St. Anne Street, and she apparently has been haunting that property. St. John's Eve, which is June 23rd, is a holy day in the voodoo religion. On this day, ceremonies are held in which new practitioners are baptized into the religion. In New Orleans, this ceremony is held on Bayou Street. Many claim that Laveau rises from her grave on this night to supervise the ceremony. Right after the announcement went out that Laveau had died, people claimed to have seen her on the street, so they disputed the death claims. Was Laveau's reputation enough to scare people? Did she just have political power? Was she really able to conjure magic? Does Marie Laveau's ghost still walk the streets of New Orleans? That is for you to decide. Denise, finding out things about Marie Laveau, it's so difficult because there's so much legend and lore. And as people know, when you have legend, it grows beyond itself. So for all we know, she was a woman who was walking around with some herbs and tinctures. And all of a sudden, she became the voodoo queen. She was just like a natural practitioner, natural path. What I found really interesting is I found an article, and I do have the entire article up in the show notes, and it was from the Daily Picayune from June 18, 1881, and this was written right after Marie Laveau's death. Now, here's what's fascinating. So this is from her time, and one of the first things it said is that she'd lived for almost a century. Now, as far as we know, she was 86 when she died. And of course, you can't really nail down the age perfectly since we can't nail down a date year. But in here, they wrote, Marie Laveau was born 98 years ago. That's quite the discrepancy from 86, 98. So I'm not sure where they got their age from. But I mean, this is a paper that was written at that time. And right after her death. So it wasn't like later times. Yes. And I just thought it would be fun to share some of this. It says, those who have passed by the quaint old house on St. Anne. So this is the place, the location that she's haunting today. Between Rampart and Burgundy Streets with the high, frail looking fence in front over which a tree or two is visible. Have been within the last few years noticed through the open gateway a decrepit old lady with snow white hair and a smile of peace and contentment lighting up her golden features. For a few years past, she has been missed from her accustomed place. The feeble old lady lay upon her bed with her daughter and grandchildren around her, ministering to her wants. On Wednesday, the invalid... Wouldn't you love they wrote about people this way today? On Wednesday, the invalid sank into the sleep, which knows no waking. Those whom she had befriended crowded into the little room where she was exposed in order to obtain a last look at the features, smiling even in death, of her who had been so kind to them. At 5 o'clock yesterday evening, and again, they said they're not quite sure where she's buried, but here it says... At 5 o'clock yesterday evening, Marie Laveau was buried in her family tomb in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. Her remains were followed to the grave by a large concourse of people, the most prominent and the most humble, joining in paying their last respects to the dead. Father Mignon conducted the funeral services. 
And then it goes on for quite a few paragraphs here, just talking about her years, uh, you know, taking up with this new gentleman who she had the 15 children with. Uh, It said that she had become ill and had been sick ever since about five years after her husband passed away. And she'd had a lot of pain and it was very pronounced. So she wasn't able to take care of that with her voodoo. But Denise, as I told you, I'm reading through this and here it says she was very successful as a nurse. Wonderful stories being told of her exploits at the sickbed. In yellow fever and cholera epidemics, she was always called upon to nurse the sick and always responded promptly. Her skill and knowledge earned her the friendship and approbation of those sufficiently cultivated, but the ignorant attributed her success to unnatural means and held her in constant dread. So when we were talking about this yesterday, when I told you I'd found this article, I'm like, nowhere in this article does it once mention the word voodoo. Never. And I thought it was so interesting how here in the press, they're saying she was very successful as a nurse. Nowhere did we read anywhere that she was called a nurse, historically. But the paper's calling her that, although some say it's by unnatural means and they had her in constant dread. So although we heard that she uses a lot of the time for good, there was a fear about how she was doing that. And so there seems to be this negative reputation back there with the voodoo, but they didn't want to say necessarily what it was coming from. Well, and it is funny, though, because you have wonder sometimes because they did that right when naturopathic medicine started becoming more popular, you know, with massage therapy and acupuncture, that it was all like hokey pokey, blah, 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 you know, unnatural, blah, 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 because it went against Western medicine. So you wonder if it was true fear that she was going to put a curse on them because of voodoo or was it just their misunderstanding of her using more naturopathic practices rather than traditional same thing we saw with witchcraft. If you started using herbs and tinctures, they were a little bit worried about that. Yeah, and they wanted to destroy you. So, Also very interesting. This does tell us maybe a little bit about where she came from. I, I wish I knew who had written this and where they'd gotten their information, if it was firsthand or if it was just rumors that were floating around. Because here it says she was born in the house where she died. So, you know, she was given a house by that gentleman for helping out his son in that murder trial. So I I don't know where that house came from, where it went. Did they cross up the Marie Laveau's and that her daughter was born in the house again? she died? Who knows? There was two Marie Laveau's too. Exactly. Uh, Her mother lived and died there before her. The unassuming cottage has stood for a century and a half. It was built by the first French settlers of Adobe and not a brick was employed in its construction. When it was erected, it was considered the handsomest building in the neighborhood. Rampart Street was not then in existence, being the skirt of a wilderness and and latterly a line of entrenchment, notwithstanding the decay of her little mansion. Marie made the sight of it pleasant to the unfortunate. At any time of night or day, anyone was welcome to food and lodging. Now, this can't be her daughter, because you were saying that, but this was written in 1881. That's true. So this was right after the elder Marie Laveau's death. So it's it's interesting. And then keep in mind, this is a woman who is the voodoo queen of New Orleans. Besides being charitable, Marie was also very pious and took delight in strengthening the allegiance of souls to the church. She would sit with the condemned in their last moments and endeavor to turn their last thoughts to Jesus. Whenever a prisoner excited her pity, Marie would labor incessantly to obtain his pardon or at least commutation of sentence, and she generally succeeded. And then I just wanted to share this cute little part with the listeners. Today we understand. I remember when elderly people would start losing their minds. What did we usually say that was going on with them? They were getting senile. Yeah. And so now we, you know, say dementia, Alzheimer's back here. They said a few years ago before she lost control of her memory, (laughs) she was rich and interesting reminiscence of the early history of this city. 
Uh, it said she spoke often of the young American governor Claiborne and told how the child wife he brought with him from Tennessee died of the yellow fever shortly after his arrival with the dead babe upon her bosom was buried in a corner of the old American cemetery. She spoke sometimes of the strange little man with the wonderful bright eyes, Aaron Burr, who was so polite and so dangerous. So she apparently knew Aaron Burr. She loved to talk of Lafayette, who visited New Orleans over half a century ago. The great Frenchman came to see her at her house and kissed her on the forehead at parting. I mean, she knew all these people. Well, she had that political power. She had clout. that political power. <laughs> political power. Yeah, and so here it says, All in all, Marie Laveau was a most wonderful woman doing good for the sake of doing good alone. She obtained no reward. Oft times meeting with prejudice and loathing, she was nevertheless contented and did not lag in her work. So you wonder if either jealous people made her the voodoo queen to tarnish her reputation because they were you know, jealous, or if this writer wanted to make sure that voodoo was not attributed to her good works and it was Christianity. So he kind of played with the played, truth, played with the truth a little bit to make her good works about Christianity and being a pious, good person, bringing people to Jesus, because if all her good works were attributed to voodoo, more people might turn to voodoo. So you, you don't know which side that went. Exactly. And this is why we tell listeners all the time, sometimes researching this stuff, especially when it's old and it's just dipped in this legend and lore, is so hard to get to the root of because you're like, what was the truth? And then you get creative imaginations like yours and mine, and it gets even more distorted. Exactly. <laughs> what we want to believe, especially with Halloween coming, is that Marie Laveau was the most powerful voodoo queen ever. She was the highest priestess. But maybe she was just a nice little old lady making tinctures and helping the poor. Or maybe she was a little bit of both. That is for you to decide. <laughs> that is for you to decide. That's why we say that. Oh. Uh, All right. Well, our next show is going to be on? We're not telling tell you. you. <laughs> October is just going to be full of surprises. Of course, unless some of you aren't playing along live with us and you're going back. But we still love you. Exactly. We want to thank you for listening to this one. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Executive producers of this podcast have been Levi Drescher, Rachel Cooper, Dan Foytick, Janice Carlson, Patty Henry, Stephen Pappas, Jade Lewis, Heather Williams, David Ann Student, Amy Connor, Tanya Turner, Nicole Johnson, April Rogers Crick, and Liana Sapien. Thank you. Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review. 